Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. This is the Reaching International's breakout session. So if you think this is evangelical Bible studies, you're wrong. You think this is a woman's admission, <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, but this is the best session to be in this morning. Because, I mean, Nadine's here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here. Jeanette Pachage is here. Yeah. We got a good group. Um, in terms of kind of a, a rough itinerary for the day, uh, in terms of reaching internationals, the, the first day was focused on reaching international students. And the, the goal of this is that we wouldn't rely on methodologies as much as we would rely on God's heart and biblical principles. And so rather than me telling you how to reach international students, I invited Pastor George French and Pastor Mike Renaud to discuss what's happening both in Boston and Lanning. And the goal is that you would see uh, two very different works in two very different places with God's heart for, for the nations. And because of that, they can approach the works even in different ways and see God move in a big way. And so uh, the, the the next day, day two, we had uh, Pastor uh, Franks come up and uh, introduce uh, God's heart for, for the strangers in the land, right? Strangers, aliens in the land. And we see that God has a huge heart for immigrants and refugees. And so Todd uh, fielded a ton of questions. It was a, a very exciting session. Uh, and he laid out uh, biblically God's heart for, for immigrants and refugees. But he also laid out very practically how one might go about uh, engaging uh, a ministry towards immigrants and refugees. Right? And so we're getting kind of a, a holistic lens on uh, kind of an approach to reaching internationals right here. What I want us to, to kind of end the, the, the session with is uh, is the heart. So my prayer is that as we reach the nations here, it'd be a conduit for us reaching the nations um, uh, through international church planting. And we're starting to see that take place. Uh, I think about Pastor Andrew Long uh, and Saigon and just exciting what's happening. Uh, but what I want to get back to uh, this morning uh, as we kind of introduce uh, this session is maybe just a quick charge. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts 13. And this is how we could spend some time while we wait for a few others to come in. We're going to end with the Q&A, so start thinking of some questions that you may have uh, for some of the speakers. Uh, but in Acts 13, you get one of the most exciting passages in all scriptures. Does anybody know what happens in Acts 13? What? Missionary journey. See, you know what I mean? He knows what's going on. We see Paul and Barnabas. They're in the church at Antioch. And we see the elders of the church and the Holy Ghost separate them to do a great work. And it's exciting. We see the laying off of hands. And we see them go out to reach nations. They're going to be there for. Uh, and one of the exciting things that we see as we read uh, Acts 13 as we start to, to notice, for the first time, a pattern that arises in Scripture. And so, again, you know, we don't rely on methodology, right? 
Like it's not by our might, it's not by our intellect, it's not by our strength. And so we, we do not rely on methodology, we rely on God's word, we rely on God's spirit, we rely on our prayer, and, and we're dependent on the Lord to do a great work. And so we just rely on his principles. But if we don't have a method, well, that's actually just foolishness. Like we can look at the, the apostle Paul's life as a prime example that he went in to ministry with a game plan. And so if you get to, to passage 14, we, we, we start to see this game plan play out. In Acts 13, 14, it says, but they came, uh, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch of Pis uh, Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And so we see this happen, and we're going to see this recur through the entire book of Acts. As Paul enters a city, one of the first things that he does is he enters the synagogue, right? He entered the synagogue. And it says in verse 15, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation to the people, say on. And Paul's like, Bet. And we see him preach like this incredible message, right? So Paul, he finds a platform to preach the gospel. And so we can go to Acts 14, verse 1, and let, let's see what happens in Acts 14, verse 1. Right? They, they, they leave, says that they came to pass in Iconium, and they went again uh, together, where? Right to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake a great multitude. That's a word that you actually don't see very often in your Bible. The, the last time you see this word is actually a multitude following Jesus. So this is a great number of people, right? So we see a great multitude, both of Jews and also of Greeks, believed. And so we see Paul, again, he's working this pattern. He's working this system. Uh, if you turn to Acts 17, if there's any doubt that this is pattern, in Acts 17, verse 1, it says, now, when they had passed through, and oh man, how, how do you say this word, y'all? Any linguists here? Okay, we're gonna go with the Amphipolis uh, and Ampolonia. They came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, listen to this, as his manner was, as his manner was went in unto them in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. And so what I want to propose to you is that, uh, man, we should be looking for, for opportunities to, to, to establish a plan for ministry, right? If we're going to reach the nations, it's not going to just happen. Like we should be strategic and we should think through, that's why we're doing all of this is that we can talk through different opportunities to, to engage and show that there's not one way of doing it, but man, you should have a plan to systematically, you know, uh, try to, to approach and find a platform to preach the gospel. And this is what we see with Paul. He finds a platform, it happens to be the synagogue where he can preach the gospel. Why? Because he knows that there's gonna be a crowd of people there. Man, if I can go to the synagogue, I know that I have an audience of people that I can now open the word of God with. Just the word of God to do the work, right? And so uh, it's through this, uh, you know, this reverence for the word and opening it, he's able to, to reach Jews and Greeks alike. Uh, and so, you know, who is the audience that you're trying to reach? 
Paul identified a very, very clear, I mean, Jews first and then Greeks, right? So he identified a very, very clear audience he was trying to reach. And he identified a very, very clear plan and pattern that he could use to reach said audience. And I think that would be very, very wise to, to learn from his example, right? And so again, with, with reaching internationals, there is a clear audience that we're trying to reach. Hence the name, Friends of Internationals, right? And so, man, all of me wants to reach the nations here in Kansas City. And so we're finding very, very intentional ways to engage a very, very intentional group of people, man, that, that the word of God could do the work of God in their life. And we're creating very, very strategic platforms where we can reach them. So I would do welcome parties. So I would do, um, you know, airport pickups. So I would do cultural exchange. We're creating atmospheres where we can now reach people and preach the gospel. And so, man, uh, you, you want a platform and you want to understand who you're trying to reach and you need a game plan that you can work that. Uh, but I'd be foolish also not to point out, if you want to turn back to Acts 16, verse 6. So we want a plan. But as I said, we, we can't rely on methodology. At the end of the day, we have to be sensitive to the Lord and his leading. And we see this uh, in Paul's very own life. Go to Acts 16, verse 6. As much as Paul had a plan and he worked a plan, he was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now, when they had gone through Phygera, uh, the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Right? And so Paul, he's sensitive enough to the Spirit that even though he has a plan, even though he's got strategy, even though he knows now this is where I'm going, he's sensitive enough to hear from the Holy Ghost to stop, to pause, to listen. And what do we see after this? Man, we see the beautiful Macedonia call, right? And, and man, God just works through his life in such a beautiful way. And so, um, you know, just kind of short, I don't know, introduction. But the whole goal of this isn't that you'd see what we do here at Midtown. And our friends of international say, man, that's how you do ministry. No. That's the cool thing about ministry is, I mean, we get to adapt it for our field. But what you should have is that you should have a game plan. On how are you going to reach souls? How are you going to reach patients? Because it won't happen by accident. And then as you have that game plan and you're putting it into practice, and you need to be sensitive to the spirit, to allow him to tweak, to move, to adjust, to speak into your life in the process, right? And so with that, uh, I'm going to introduce Pastor Andrew Wong. Uh, he is... Uh, one of my best friends, uh, and uh, just uh, someone that I, I greatly admire. Uh, he uh, started Friends of Internationals, uh, and I asked if he wouldn't mind just addressing us. Again, one of the goals is that we reach the nations here, that'd be a conduit for us to reaching uh, the nations through international church planting. Uh, and Pastor Andrew Long really is paving the way in that. And then after that, we're going to hear from uh, Jeanette Pachage. Uh, and uh, uh, will Mata uh, will be with us. Uh, he accidentally double booked this morning, and so we kind of maneuvered him around. He's going to be uh, closing us out as we enter the QA. And so that's going to be our lineup today. Uh, start writing down questions, uh, and we'll get Pastor George, we'll get uh, uh, Pastor Todd and Anna, um, we'll get Jeanette and Will up front for a QA to wrap all this up. So thank you guys. I'm going to pray actually. And then we can hear from the pastor. <laughs> All right, Lord. Uh, man, we've just, uh, again, just consumed so much this weekend. I, I already feel 
uh, full. And yet, you know, we, we see the challenge uh, from this morning uh, that we would be attentive listeners, Lord. It would be like, uh, like Samuel and that none of your word fall to the ground. So I know that there are mighty men and women of God that we get to hear from this morning. We want to be uh, just actively engaged. Uh, you know, Jesus says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So Lord, man, I got two ears. <laughs> so I, I do pray uh, that you give me ears to, to hear and to receive your word. Good morning. Uh, my name is Andrew Ong, and I'm a pastor and missionary here in Saigon, Vietnam. Uh, thank you, Miles, for the opportunity to share the FOI breakout group. Uh, FOI Kansas City was my baby for almost 11 years. I cannot be more happy to have a faithful leader like Miles to replace me and to know that the ministry is going from strength to strength. So, praise the Lord. So, I was given five questions for this mini breakout session. Uh, so, I hope answering these questions will be of help uh, to you. So, question number one, how did you start in Hawaii and end up planting a church in Taiwan? Now, I officially started FOI in 2012 and left to Vietnam in 2023. So, there's 11 years of content here, uh, many practical things that are useful, but I believe the spiritual preparation uh, is the most important one important than even the practical physical one. So let me try to share it from, from that angle. And for number one, I would say that God prepared my heart to continue to follow him in the next stage of ministry, which was FOI for me. Uh, just to give a bit of context, I was sent by KCBP as a short-term self-supporting missionary assistant to London, England in 2005. And after five years, the Lord impressed my heart to return to my home church uh, in Kansas City. I vividly remember walking on London Bridge and God impressed in my heart. It's almost like God uh, spoke to me in a still small voice, although it's not audible. Uh, but the question was, is it okay to leave everything here in London and go back to KC? Uh, now, my first response uh, was, why God? But immediately I knew my heart was not in the right place because I belong to God, not to myself. And so I started to tear up and, and repented and told the Lord, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. And so I repented and left the ministry in London and a very high-end job in London, England to return to Kansas City to work as a missions intern for 10 bucks an hour. Now, I say that then, and I'll say it now, it's one of the best decisions of my life because of all the things that the Lord has allowed me to be part of, you know. And I will say in due time, you know, the key thing for us to know is that God will always ask us to lay down more of our lives to trust Him for the next assignment. And uh, we observe that. Uh, through Abraham's story, you know, in the apex of Abraham's ministry, God asked him uh, to lay down his son, right? The most treasured thing in his life, to trust him in the next assignment. And God used that to bless the world, you not know, through Abraham's obedience. And so 
that that is a key thing that we need to 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 know and learn. Number two, God used a hard situation to cause us to have a desperate prayer uh, towards Him. You know, so when I went back to KC, I got to partner with my dear friend Daniel, who's now a pastor of Living Faith Lead Family. But at that time, Kaya was not what it is right now. It was made up of people from halfway Hollywood, and so it wasn't. Uh, the makeup of an ideal college ministry. And so Dan and I were desperate for God to be. We needed him. So we prayed fervently in the balcony of a church, begging God to move, and he did in a powerful way. You know, very shortly, we had five to six international students come to Christ in a single day. It was like Pentecost to us, you know, because we were in a long season of drought, but God moved and was finding And so what we need to remember uh, as ministers that God is the one that builds the house. And if it's not through our, our intellects, our greatest ideas and, and so on, it's him that builds the house. And so we see that in scripture, we see that in the life of Moses and you know, Moses spent his first 40 years thinking he was somebody. Then the next 40 years thinking he was nobody. And God chose the 80-year Moses to do his greatest assignment. So the lesson here for us to know is that God is waiting for us to humble ourselves and to simply depend on him in desperate dependency in our prayer, you know, in a time spent with him. Uh, number three, I would say God gave me his word. My thing started, you know, God, God, uh, God what, how should I manage this ministry? God gave me the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 47. Uh, if you're familiar with that passage, it's basically the framework of the early church. And I saw from that passage is that God is most pleased when the people of God are steadfast in his word and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. And the striking thing about that passage was how sacrificial and loving that community was. And I wanted uh, that type of community in our church. You know, because, you know, as Jesus says, when you, when you, people will know that you are his disciples when you love one another. And so that was a key thing that that was the framework of the early line. I believe it continued until now. You know, one of the dangers of ministry is that we treat ministry as a project, as a number. And, and so, you know, people see through that. And that's not right. You know, that's not the heart of God. We must genuinely love God and truly that we love one another within the church. And therefore, we have then something special to invite other people to come and see, right? Isn't how we uh, first got uh, uh, intrigued and touched with, with to the people of God, with to the community of God? So I wanted that in the FOI ministry. And so, um, you know, praise the Lord that He gave His word to 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 me to envision the group then, 
Number four is hard work. Now, when we started a new work, we have to do everything. Okay? It takes everything out of you, but it's exciting at the same time. And then you have to envision and rally others to have the same mind and heart for the work. So planting a church is very similar. God prepared my heart and, and others when I went for a mission trip to Vietnam. Uh, I wasn't supposed to go. Pastor Best was supposed to go, but providentially, you know, Pastor Best and the book itself. And I went and God used that mission trip to break my heart to come. And so, you know, God used uh, that difficult provincial time for us to pray and found the cost to go. You see, I have a good business in KC that is ready to go make. I have a stable and growing ministry at my local church. I have a family with two young kids that could benefit from all the support and amenities uh, in the U.S. And if we go to a communist country uh, that is illegal uh, for us to start a church, that doesn't to make sense, right? But God was in it. And so we covered the cause and decided we must go. You know, and God continues to do his word. And before we came, God gave uh, the book of Ruth and vision. Uh, my team, you know, to have a whatever, whenever, wherever mindset and that came handy, right? So people were ready and eager to work when we came here. And since coming here, we have so much going on. God gave us many opportunities to share the gospel, and nine people professed Christ so far, seven were baptized and three are currently in discipleship one, one graduated uh, discipleship one and is starting D2. And so praise the Lord. Uh, question number two is, can you explain the follow the fruit methodology? Uh, so this is a principle that was introduced from my pastor, Sam Miles. Uh, number one, we know that God is constantly moving in people's lives. So another way of saying this is, where is God moving in people's lives? And wherever God is moving, we want to follow that fruit. Uh, so number two is follow the fruit is following up with that person. All good trees needs to be well taken care of so they can produce fruit. So follow the fruit means we have to be diligent to water and fertilize that tree regularly. Take now my key man in Vietnam, for example. Since I led him to the Lord, we have met every single week without failing uh, for years. And I have been very intentional to follow that fruit, and that tree kept growing, and I kept following him. Now, not, I have to say that not every fruit is the same. So we must follow the fruit that remains. You see, when you look at the parable of the sober, you can see that not every tree planted had the same outcome. One was taken away by the devil, one had joy initially, but the, when the word disappeared with their lifestyle or well-being, they left. One was tempted by the cares of the world, so, you know, the things of the world took the word in their life. They became unfruitful. And then the last, of course, is one that is on good ground and Hears the word and understands it and bear a fruit. Some, you know, 104, some 60, some 30. So, for the key point for us is to keep sowing. Don't be discouraged by the bad ones because eventually you will find a tree that is on good ground. Uh, question number three 
how has everyone made the cultural transition easier for the team? Absolutely. This does not mean that the team members do not struggle, but it's always interesting to observe that some people transition better than others. Now, a principle that relates to FY would be this. If someone puts their time and effort to minister to people outside of their own culture, it always opens their mind to a completely different approach to communication, to new food, to a different sense of humor, to a new language. And so this will help them to transition to that new culture. You know, I remember a friend of mine who thought he was going to be a missionary to Egypt. And so he signed up to go uh, for a mission trip to Egypt. But when he was there, he found out that he could not tolerate any of their food at all. He mainly ate ice cream for two weeks. <laughs> and that was the end of his weekend experience. If only he joined an FOI. He went out to eat some Middle Eastern food and found out the easy way. <laughs> As an ambassador to Christ, it is incumbent upon us to appreciate another culture so we can effectively develop a new relationship yeah. with that people group. So let's invest in cross-cultural ministry to FOI and to you know mission trips at your church. Put together. Now, uh, I, I do have to put a plug in for the Vietnam trip. You know, MVP is taking a group to Vietnam from May 17 to the 31st. MVP Tampa is taking a group to Vietnam from June 22nd to July 22nd. Actually, July 2nd. Also, the Vietnam one to three month internship program for those who want to experience cross cultural ministry. For a longer period of time. So stay tuned. Uh, question number four is how have you adapted to the FY ministry as a tool in a foreign mission field? And so FY have always served as a bridge to the world. Uh, many people are not ready to come to church or even a Bible study. So FY gives a platform for us to bridge that gap. Uh, in FY, we identified taking people out from the airport, hosting a welcome party, uh, being part of the student orientation, hosting dinner at my house, and the carrot to genuinely help and meet people. In FY Vietnam, currently, the carrot is English. And so we host English clubs with a variety of helpful, engaging topics. And this again gives us a very natural neutral spot to become friends to the world this then allows uh, people to enter into our community and our job then is to welcome them to that relationship share uh, the hope that is in us uh last question question number five do you have a vision for church planting beyond vietnam yes uh, but you know we just been here for four months but I will lie if I say I do not dream to talk about the possibility of seeing other churches planted in neighboring countries so that there is a living faith fellowship Asia. Linguistically, logistically, and financially is doable. I already know several languages and learning another one and Asia, Singapore. 
Thailand, Indonesia, Korea, and Japan are just a few hours away in 21. It's in the cost of about $100 to $300 for round trip tickets. So it's very doable. Uh, but the more important thing is God has to open that door, right? Because right now, for me, God has opened this door for me in Vietnam. And so the important thing for me to do is just to be faithful with the things that God has for me here. You know, God is moving in a mighty way, and we have a lot going on, a lot ahead of us. We have people who recently got saved and as any babies with a lot of parenting, feeding up food, nurturing, and equipping that needs to happen. And, and the devil and his fall prophet are also working overtime to deceive people. We see that happening. I just I know heard one of the uh, this top church, mother church minister trying to pull one of our members to the heritage doctrine and you know, in the midst of addressing that. So please pray for that. Uh, so, yes, you know, uh, one day maybe, you know, that the Lord may open doors for, uh, you know, planting church beyond Vietnam. So I think that's the five question. I hope uh, it was helpful and uh, may God bless you. Bye for now. All righty. Is that pretty cool to hear from Pastor Andrew? Right? Yes. And so that's it. But, uh, one, to encourage you, I know that we've got uh, a number of FOI um, represented here, you know, from Kansas City to Tampa to, 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 to Laramie. Uh, and so, uh, man, in terms of vision, yeah, this is what I'm just about, right? Uh, but it starts with, as Pastor Andrew said, the spiritual preparation now. God used 10 years of ministering and laboring here in the ministry here to prepare him for what God would inevitably call him to uh, in Saigon, right? And as he was reaching students from Vietnam here and going on missions to, to, to Vietnam and investing in the fruit faithfully that he won, well, it opened up a door for him ultimately uh, to follow the fruit to, to Saigon and not the church. Uh, one of the things I wanted to point out is that for his team, they were faithfully ministering cross-culturally here. Uh, and as he said, it doesn't make that transition easy, uh, but there are definitely advantages to having experience ministering cross-culturally here that make that transition easier than if they had not been, right? Uh, and so them faithfully ministering here actually prepared them for the work of going. And we see the same thing, again, Philip the Evangelist, the first ministry that he's given to is what? Oh, there's problem with the Grecian widows, right? And so the first ministry that he's given to is ministering cross-culturally within the church at Jerusalem. And so no wonder God could use him to, to go to Samaria and then to, to, to go to, to, to the desert in Gaza and to reach Ethiopia Munich. And from there, to, to you know, man. God was preparing him from the beginning as he's called to be a deacon and to serve where he's at for where he's going to go. And so if you're ministering cross-culturally, I mean, how God, can God use that to prepare you for the work that inevitably he'll call you to? And so be faithful with the ministry that's in front of you, uh, because I think that, that there is a key there uh, to, that God will use this to prepare you for the work that inevitably continue to do and through your life. And so, um, man, uh, we are rich to, to, to hear 
uh, from Pastor Andrew Long is such a fantastic example uh, of faithfulness and of fruitfulness, right? Uh, but I hope that you see how dependent he has been, really. Uh, and so next, I'm going to invite uh, Barongo <laughs> to Nat Bachage. Um, uh, uh, just uh, update us on what's been going on in her life. So Jeanette uh, originally was here at MBT with us. Uh, she's currently back in uh, Nairobi, Kenya, which is actually the home uh, originally for. I like to think that this is home as well. Um, but man, God has used uh, Jeanette in such a beautiful way uh, as a Lydia um, in the, the field of Nairobi. And so Thank you for being willing just to share what's going on, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, just to give us a glimpse of what transitioning uh, back to the new field looks like. Um, and that we can use that as a for this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Miles just asked me to um, share and in the process of answering some questions that he sent me, um, just what my experience has been like from the time I landed in Kansas City to the time um, I returned to Kenya. So I'll just basically be sharing a lot of my testimony because we've been talking about what has been happening um, in Kenya and what, how God has been moving is just basically a testimony yeah. <laughs> of God's praise. So, um, so how did I get saved? I was born and raised Catholic uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, and I, of course, thought I was a good person. And I was always doing the best a lost person could do on any given day. Um, and even when I was young, God began challenging me on those beliefs. <laughs> I had a, a, a few friends along the way that would uh, challenge my Catholic faith, and I was very passionate about it. Uh, but God always would uh, drop those, you know, convictions. Um, so when I went to high school, um, I went to a school that was a Catholic school, but the students, I think 90% were Protestant, or maybe I could say Bible-believing. So it was so amazing because I actually began to experience God's person. And I was like, what is this new thing? Because people would read their Bibles and um, pray and had a relationship with the Lord. So I was like, well, I'm a good Christian. I'm going to read my Bible. So that's how I began. I, did, I wasn't saved. But I was like, everybody else is reading the Bible, so I'm going to read mine. And I fell in love with the Old Testament. Um, and I was like, wow, this God is amazing. But I could not understand the New Testament. I, I thought it, it was a Greek. No pun intended. <laughs> but uh, it was, I couldn't understand it. And it's it, most people are the opposite, but that's how it worked for me. And uh, God was, um, I could sense that God was drawing me to himself. But I was a very good Laodicean as a lost person. I had need of nothing. You know, my parents gave us a good life. They worked very hard to do that. And things just always seemed to work out for us. You know, I did well at school, which is very important in Kenya. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have everything. Why do I need God? Um, it was terrible. But God was merciful and gracious. And he just would draw me. And I was like, no, I don't. 
I think I'm okay. I have a good religion. I can be religious and have a good life. And that seemed to work out. And then in 1998, um, Al-Qaeda carried out a terrorist attack in Kenya and uh, Tanzania. And my mom, who was kind of the rock of our family, was uh, very badly injured in that. In fact, she died clinically and they brought her back. And that humbled me so greatly because all of a sudden this perfect life that I thought that I had um, just came crumbling down in a moment of time. And I remember the lost person is uh, begging God to save my mother's life, even though it seemed impossible at that time. Um, and when the night of that, the day the bombing happened that night, people had already started coming to our home you know, to console us because my mother was as good as dead. And I remember asking God, uh, you know, very simple prayer, Lord, please don't let my mother die. And when I prayed that, he gave me that assurance, like, okay, I'll do that. And even when everybody was starting to prepare for a funeral, I was like, <laughs> me a sense that she's going to live. And she miraculously lived. She became such a miracle um, and such a testimony to so many people around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I just saw how great God was and how merciful because I had been rejecting him. And he was so kind to us, to our family, uh, to my mom. So in the process of that, um, my mom landed in Kansas City. Actually, Jane, who's sitting there, was one of the first people that met her. Um, she came here for medical treatment, and Jane was a nurse at St. Luke's. <laughs> uh, and she was Kenyan, so she met this Kenyan lady, and she's like, oh, and they became fast friends, and Jane was such a, a minister to my mom and um, became family to my mom. Um, so as I saw God do this, he humbled me greatly, and I continued reading my Bible, but with it became personal. You know, it wasn't just stories. And uh, I remember coming here to visit my mom, who had now moved to Kansas City. And we went to so many churches, and in every single church I visited, just the Lord's grace and, the, you know, his word was just speaking. By the time I went back to Kenya, I was so ready to give my life to the Lord. And February 6th, the year 2000, um, somebody gave me a Bible that actually rendered John 3 the right way. I don't even know what my friend decided. She was like, here, you can this Bible. I had a Bible, but it didn't have the same words. So I read in John 3, he must be born again. And I was, it was like a ton of bricks following me. Like, I'm a good Catholic. I've been baptized, confirmed, Holy communion. What is this being born again? And it's Jesus speaking. The words are in red. What is this thing that Jesus is saying I must do that I've never done in my life? And it troubled me so much. It's all that I could think about. And God sent a friend to explain to me um, what faith in the Lord meant. Because I think at that point, I began praying every night for God to save me. But I never really had any faith that he would do it. And God sent a friend to tell me that I have to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So one night, that night, I did. And I, I believe that, you know, because God had also put this verse in my mind that appears three places in the bible whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and i'm like god can't lie because whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved so 
even me, that includes me. So I remember uh, calling upon the Lord and just trying to confess my sins the best I knew how as a good Catholic, you know. Uh, I thought I had to like tell God all the sins that I remembered, but I, I had a sense that I'm a sinner. And, um, you know, I put my faith in the Lord and I knew in that moment that everything changed. And I continued going to Catholic church, but one day I asked God, I was like, Lord, please give me a church because I knew this is not it. And then I landed in Kansas City. And as soon as I landed here, my mom, who was already here, and my twin sister, who had moved here before me, were going, had been invited by the International Student Ministry, Kansas City Baptist Temple, uh, to KCBT. So I was a good Catholic, so I still went to Mass on Sunday, but Sheffield <laughs> had a Friday night service. So I started attending that, and it blew my mind because the Word of God was being opened. And it would just burn, you know, I I never experienced anything like that because I went, I mean, we just read the Bible in such a like mechanical way, went through this religious process every Sunday morning. I loved it, but I wasn't going to move, you know, change churches until one day God confirmed that this is where, this is his answer to my prayer. That's at KCBT. So I got discipled, um, Natalie, uh, I know her as Myers, but I know she's not Myers anymore. <laughs> no, um, no, that's not it. Oh man. Uh, but Natalie discipled me. Um and I just slowly, there was a very long process of undoing all the bad doctrine and uh some aspects of culture because I'd grown up in a culture where as long as you're religious, you're doing good. So it took a long time to learn how to live the word not just academically learn it um so yeah when when uh sam moved here with uh kcbt i just followed because that's the only ministry that i knew um and that's how i ended up at um MBT. um but yeah so that's my testimony of salvation god was very gracious very merciful very miraculous i remember my mom doing a lot of interviews whether in kenya or here in the states in the papers here, the papers back home, you know, one of the interviews titles was One Miracle at a Time. So God actually worked a miracle uh, in our lives, just in mercy and mm -hmm. got a hold of us and shook us out of the lie that we don't need God. Um, so training and ministry began with discipleship. Um, and when I was here at MBT, because Someone in an international student ministry reached me. I was very passionate about being a part of FOI. It wasn't always called FOI, but we always had some kind of ministry towards international students because that's how I came to grow up in the Lord. Um, so getting trained in ministry, I did discipleship one. I took every discipleship two class that was offered even before we had a full structure. Uh, and then just did the ministry, you know, as part of FOI, I was in choir, I did Kid Town, I taught fourth and fifth grade, uh, I did some admin stuff, you know, like whether it was counting or tracking, you know, attendees, I basically did a little bit of everything, uh, which has been very instrumental in moving back to Kenya because um, you kind of do whatever is needed, you know, in the beginnings of a church plant. So, um, yeah, and then how did I end up back in Kenya? So as long as I was here, I was first here as a student, and then God provided a job. I remember I studied finance, 
and the financial crisis of 2008 is when I graduated with my master's. I was like, oh, a whole bunch of people are being laid off in the field that I chose. So I wasn't going to get a job. But you know what? God opened the door and I got a job, you know, when everybody else was being laid off as a foreign person. So God made it clear that he wanted me to stay here. So I worked that uh, all through. And, you know, there'd be moments, there was even a time within that job where they were like, oh, sorry, we messed up the paperwork. You're going to have to go back to Kenya. And I was like, oh, really? So, you know, I remember coming here and telling my pastor, it's like, I think I'm moving back to Kenya. That was like, in, what, 20, maybe 2009. And um, pastor was like, we're going to pray about this. So we prayed. And the way that situation ended was I got a promotion and a raise. <laughs> we hadn't even started the Bible school at that point. So I kept staying. So God kept opening the door for me to stay. And whether it was a student as, and then as a professional worker. And then uh, we start. I started in the Bible school from day one in 2013 is when we had our first classes. And I knew this is probably why God wants me to stay here. So I stayed, um, you know, I took every class that was offered. I, I'm single. I don't have children. I... So I, I could do that, but I had a sense that I had to take advantage of it while I could, because somewhere in me, I knew that I wasn't always going to be here. So um, I took every class that was offered every single semester, and sometimes it was hard, but I had the, somehow had the capacity to do that. Uh, and then in 2017, God closed the door for me to stay here through my job. So I was like, God always opens the door for me to stay here, even when it's impossible. So if he's closing the door, because there's so many things I could do and that people do that, like, well, I'm going to stay here. This is all I've known as an adult that I could have done. But I was like, if God's closing the door, maybe he does want me to move back. So without really, mm -hmm. you know, trying to change the circumstance, I moved back to Kenya. And it was... Um, you know, and then I started, you know, I started looking for a church. I'm like, oh, we're a Christian country. I had not known Kenya as an adult. I moved here when I was still a teenager. <laughs> so um, I was like, yeah, we're a Christian country. So I went to church after church after church. And it was such an education of what the landscape is spiritually. It it shocked me because I was not aware that it was that hard to find a church with biblical doctrine. Um, so I remember coming back here just to visit, came back from the Focus in 2019 and having a conversation with Sam and, you know, Kenny and I think Lydia was, was there. We had gone for a mission trip together and, you know, we were just getting together and I was just talking about how difficult it is to find a biblical church. I mean, the last church I was a part of, the pastor picked up a King James Bible. It had advertised itself as a authorized version church on the website he literally picked it up and said Jeanette in 20 years this bible is going to be obsolete mm. you know mm. and I, I felt so gutted in that moment like this is the church where I'm thinking of you know engaging in ministry and, and the, the pastor is telling me it's not a big deal which bible we use in fact this KJV will be obsolete in 20 years so I remember talking about that story and uh, I also told Sam a story about, cause I guess maybe in answering this question, how do you start ministering in Kenya? The things I'd been a part of, of Midtown from day one, the things you say that you take for granted that you don't even think about. So I'd say things 
and maybe it's like rocking someone's world. And I had no idea. So I remember I had a friend and I would just throw things offhandedly, like truths, biblical truths, you know? And they'd be like, you know, just like, I've never heard that before. So I, I didn't even know this was happening, but having been a part of ministry here, um, it's just, there's so many things you take for granted. So I remember one of my friends was like, Jeanette, and I didn't even know we were doing Bible study. We're just having a conversation. She's like, if you ever start a Bible study, I want to be a part of it. And I remember telling the pastors that, and then they were like, you should start a Bible study. <laughs> and do you know what? You guys started praying for us to start a Bible study. I, I went back home after visiting. And sometime after COVID started, both that same friend and my brother were like, I have questions about the Bible. And they called me up and said, can you answer these questions about the Bible? And that is actually how a Bible study started. Uh, but it was you guys praying for us and God answering those prayers. I tell people, I didn't actually start any Bible studies technically, you know, but, you know, people would hear your speech and scriptures that you throw out in biblical concepts. Mm -hmm. And God would use that to like, you know, <clears throat> questions in their heart that they would seek answers for from the bible so in in the beginning every bible study was started with somebody else coming and saying can you tell me what the bible says about this you know um even the kids bible study the kids came to me and rang my doorbell and were like we want to pray for you and in the process of that mm -hmm. they said you know we've been trying to start a bible study but we have no clue where to start you know, so God brought people to me in answer to the church's prayers to start these Bible studies. And then as people from MBT started coming, the first trip that came, Miles led a trip to uh, Nairobi in June of 2022. Um, I'm getting my dates right. Yes, June of 2022. And then after that, the short-term short teams would take maybe like two weeks or a month and come and stay with us. Uh, in the process of doing Bible study, uh, we started meeting on Sunday morning and um, and we have been ever since. Um, so ministering in Kenya, I think was just an answer to prayer. Um, and starting a church or starting to trust God to start a church was the leadership uh, in this church, you know, moving us from a Bible study to um beginning to meet as a fellowship on Sunday mornings we still have uh like pastors and leaders and elders who invest in us live on Sunday morning so like Larry Smith has been very faithful about mm -hmm. staying up late at night and leading us through Bible study uh on Sunday morning um uh, so I think it's like 1 30 a.m in the morning for him and um and then we uh watch when, whenever we don't have someone in Nairobi we watch the service so we've been going through Genesis you know and the group that we have has been learning you know hearing biblical exposition from the book of Genesis and preaching from the book of Genesis you know consistently um but yeah so um what are we trusting God for in our living faith Nairobi? So living faith Nairobi, I always say it hasn't been born yet. <laughs> I think it's in the womb. <laughs> but um, so we, we're just trusting God to multiply disciples. 
what I've seen in Kenya, you know, okay, so I had the privilege of being born and raised in Kenya. So I'm kind of like an oddball where I was born and raised in Kenya and I have that culture. And then I did all of my adulting here until I moved back to Kenya. So one thing I've seen, you know, um, like people have a Christian culture they don't really know what the Bible says, but when God gives them the opportunity to see his word and see how it can change their life, it does get a hold of them. Um, so we're just trusting God. I, I mean, there might be some, you know, struggle in the beginning, just like me. People don't see, why do I need anything more? Like, why do I need biblical discipleship or what you're telling me I need? But eventually when get, God gets a hold of people's hearts, you know, it, you know it it does change their lives and they do see the value in it so you know what i'm trusting god for is to see biblical disciples multiply because it would change our nation we have a nation of people who profess to be christian like i don't know what percentage 70 80 percent but you don't see the fruit of a nation that calls itself a christian nation because i don't know I don't know if people are like me where I have, I believe I'm a Christian, but it doesn't really um, come out in the way that I live my life. Um, so yeah, I'm trusting God for disciples in, in Nairobi and living faith Nairobi and um, what happened, the difficulties. Uh, we don't have a pastor. <laughs> so it's difficult to invite people to a work where they don't see what a typical church looks like you know so for the people that are being discipled they're learning biblical principles and so they see the value um, of being a part of that fellowship but it is very difficult to invite people to church and then they come in and there's no pastor we're in a nation where um we have a lot of women pastors so people are like well you went to Bible school why can't you be a pastor <laughs> you know so it's um it's just a different culture but it's it's difficult to invite people where they, they they don't see a pastor but in time people began to see begin to see the value of god's word and study mm -hmm. for themselves you know even as we trust god to bring that leadership about um so that's one of the difficulties another difficulty i think one mistake i made i was like i'm born and raised in kenya <laughs> i didn't realize that i had to think like a missionary i have to learn the culture i assumed I know the culture and it got a lot of culture shock yeah. huge huge cultural shock so it's humbling to admit that i have to learn the culture you know just like a typical foreign missionary would you know um i think they call it re-entry shock but there's been culture shock with that for me personally then we have you know kenya is a third world country it has a lot of disparity uh between those who have and those who don't have so there's always just that difficult difficulty of you know it's i think miles experienced this when he came to it hard for someone to listen to what you're saying to them when they don't know what they're going to eat at night and they're burdened by just like a very immediate physical need um so that is that's difficult in our culture um or in kenya and uh exciting points of praise is just to see disciples uh begin to grow, begin to fall in love with God's word. Right now we have six people on discipleship. 
And we just pray that um, God establish them in spite of the difficulty, in spite of our lack, you know. It, it, our number one prayer point every Sunday morning is like, God send us pastor. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is exciting to see God get a hold of their hearts, then begin to be obedient to the things that they're learning in discipleship, to share it with their friends and family. Um, that's been just a huge prayer point. And I never asked you how much time I need to take miles, but I think I think I've gone through all of the questions. Yeah. What do you think? Well, uh Blake, can you pray yeah. for, for Jeanette and for Anthony? Uh let's just pray that God would just continue just uh bless their wishes in Saigon and Nairobi. Yeah. And uh to establish work and continue to win souls, make disciples. Uh, see leaders of okay yeah yeah god we uh pray for um your spirit just to continue to lead make the ground fertile we pray for all the hearts there's so many people that have already been met in saigon in nairobi uh encourage the saints let them know that we are here praying and um god we pray for a multi-generational work of biblical discipleship, of, of true biblical DNA, you know, how we would do ministry uh, here. We're so grateful for our pastors, what we've been given. Amen. We just want you to be glorified. It's all about you. Uh, correct us when we're wrong. Help us to support these teams better, that they would know more how much they're loved in the future than, you know, sometimes we fail to support them fully. We just want to commit our hearts, those of us that are here today, to just, you know, pray for them in the future more. And uh, God, build, we ask you to build the house. Thank you so much for Jeanette's uh, sharing today and for Andrew sharing with us in Jesus' name. I'd be remiss not to mention that uh, Andrew, was reached through an international outreach through Kansas City Center mm -hmm. as well. And so we're seeing uh, men, women that are reached through intentional investment in, in people from, from all over, from Kansas City, from the nations, and we're seeing them trained up. And now God is just using them to get glory wherever they are. I also want to point out, uh, again, Jeanette, just like Andrew, uh, pointed to a dependence in prayer. And that God ultimately provided uh, answers and grace. Uh, and so we need to be definitely for the prayer. Uh, she also pointed out that it seems like God allowed the timing for her to, to actually get prepared here before going back. And so look out and I see uh, people that I love. Naveen, man, you got to take the preparation seriously, right? Like, <laughs> man, while we're here, while, while you're here, man, we got we to gotta put in the work. So that God can just equip you guys for whatever God would ultimately do, whether it be staying in Kansas City for the rest of your life, which would be awesome, or going to, you know, the, the enormous. Um, but uh, something that we we often face, and Todd, you talked about this even with reaching uh, immigrants uh, here in, in Kansas City, or just in, in the States, uh, is that oftentimes through various different circumstances, uh, people leave. And it's the most heartbreaking part, I think, of ministering, period. Um, well, you can, uh, you, you know this as well, but the, the hardest part about the Friends of International Ministry 
is you get to invest your life, mm -hmm. your time, your love into someone. And then Ji Young just leaves to go back to, to South Korea. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh man, the Lord. And she, she got saved here. And it's like, Lord, like why? You know, uh, and it's heartbreaking for us. Uh, and I don't know that we always recognize how heartbreaking it is for them. You mm -hmm. know, uh, man, we need to be intentional to continue to, to pray for uh, our Giangs. I think about, guys, one of the best parts about Andrew's video last night is if you look closely at the candlelit service, he saw Natalie in the crowd. It was like, yeah. oh, and that was like warm my heart. Man, I, I, I love Natalie. I know this is how difficult it is for her to, to not be in fellowship. She had to go back to, to Hong Kong. Uh, and so, uh, man, even as students uh, come in and go out of our lives as uh, friends of internationals, as international, like, intentional ministers, uh, we have to be diligent uh, to continue uh, to pray. Right? Just because they're not here doesn't mean that we just let them go. Amen. And let's be intentional to follow up, to love on, to pray for. Uh, Pastor Andrew talked about following the fruit. And man, one of the things we want to do is just nurture we don't expect anything in return. Man, these are my spiritual children. These are my sons, my daughters. And like, man, we can't just let them go. And so, uh, man, I'm just thankful for the best of us. It is hard going back. Uh, and so uh, for some of us, you know, uh, take your preparation seriously. Uh, for some of us, man, uh, be intentional in your relationship and investment in the students that are in front of you. Uh, and continuing to invest in them even as they, they, they move on. Uh, and let's trust God that they could be fruitful and multiply. And it's so cool hearing, you know, Jeanette, like she's doing there everything that she was doing back here. Mm -hmm. Like when I came into MBT, you know, Jeanette was leading praise. Jeanette was like discipling, was leading Bible study. She's, you know, she was doing it all. And, and now that she's back in Nairobi in the absence, of a pastor or ministry leader, uh, she's doing it all. Mm. Um, and so please continue to pray because uh, that's an exhausting work. Uh, and yet it's worth it. Mm. You know, uh, it's one of the things that just brings me great, great comfort. Look at John chapter four, and even Jesus grew weary. Right? And yet he was faithful to continue ministering as a Samaritan woman came to him. And so, uh, man, just be faithful to that. Just be faithful. Uh, but we're going to shift gears here. Uh, I know time is a thing, but uh, yesterday, I think just to, to cap off of reaching uh, immigrants, refugees, uh, what I thought would be very, very helpful uh, and practical uh, just to, to the fellowship of churches at large is to hear from Pastor Will Mata. Uh, Pastor Will uh, leads the class of here at Midtown Baptist Temple. And when I think about uh, effectively reaching immigrants, uh, you know, my, my framework is always FOI. And I realize that that's a very narrow way uh, of viewing ministry, right? Uh, because there's so many different ways that we can engage uh, internationals here in Kansas City and in any other city. And one of the most fruitful, one of the most effective outreaches that we have at our church has been the Clase Hispana. Uh, God's used it in such a great way to see souls saved, uh, leaders equipped. And now we're starting to see it pivot in a way that is a blessing, not only here, uh, but to uh, other countries uh, in Central and South America, uh, where God is using it to translate materials from the Bible Institute. Uh, God is just blessing us through Clase Hispana. 
and I know that that many churches uh, don't have uh, a ministry uh, that teaches and preaches in Spanish, uh, but are very interested uh, in what that looks like uh, and even what starting something like that might look like. Uh, and and the, the little time that I've been around it, uh, it is uh, there's a lot more to it than you might expect. Right? Uh, and there are some serious challenges that go into it. Uh, and yet, when I look at what God's done, it's worth it. And so uh, I've got a lot to learn. I think we all have a lot to learn from Pastor Mata. And so, Pastor Will, if you don't mind uh, coming up uh, and just sharing us with us what it looked like to start Class A Spanish. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, you got up. Uh, yeah. That's pretty good. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> My wife hated it. <laughs> she like the thing. And probably without it's a problem because I got the oh everywhere. So it's just funny. Um, man, yeah, there's there's at least at least I said twelve to fifteen countries represented in our class, and and it's very interesting because as you were talking, I was trying to to do the mathematics, and it's it it's funny because Friends of International has no even I I, I won't say besides Mexico probably the only country that you guys have because you guys. I think you guys have like the other side of the globe. I have the, <laughs> so I, uh, it's just interesting because yeah. it's, it's just a different target. It's a, it's a different audience, but you know, um, it, you know, I think God is definitely using it. And I, you know, I said this to Sam, I mean, um, Miles the other day, man, I think I need to switch the name too to like, inter the international class too, because we're just reaching the same people, but Amen. it's not the same particular audience so it's just amazing how the 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 spanish class came together the um you know god called me obviously to to the ministry when i was a little kid i i i got saved and and i knew i i should respond to the gospel because i hear you know what the bible says and you know being a kid and growing in a dysfunctional christian family was kind of like strange but um you know, I was never interested in just following the Lord. I, I knew that I was inheriting the religion from my parents, but um, man, coming to the United States, I definitely knew that God wanted to use me to reach Latinos because I speak Spanish. You know, I'm from Costa Rica, never been to school, uh, high school or college, so I don't have a formal education like most of the internationals, but I got a heart. Yeah, and I got a heart for people. I always learn how to love people because it's uh, it's important. And you know, God called me to the pastor, and and I I responded. It, it was a while. I mean, I I knew I have to do it. It's like that message that Sam was preaching. I just hope somebody here is going to Nairobi after I hear what my sister. Man. Uh, I'm sure somebody here should be sitting and struggling with that. I hope or somebody listening. I don't know if they're putting this somewhere, but um. It, it is it is a call that I have to really consider when I knew I had to respond to that. And, you know, here I am. I, I work in sales. Uh, praise God, I'm a tent maker. I'm not a I'm not a full time pastor. Uh, probably don't desire that. I mean, I, I, I got a job. And if the Lord does do do that, then OK. But I'm 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 OK where I am. So let me encourage you to work hard. None. Because God can use you 
And the way that you are right now, I'm a director of sales and I sell buses. You know, I sell wheels to, to move people. As a matter of fact, I sold buses to Africa. I was telling my sister, <laughs> I most likely have to go next year to deliver some buses up in Africa that I was not expecting. And Nairobi is one of those places. Three of, three of the buses will go to Nairobi. So there's a chance that I go and see that beautiful people there. But see, God used that. Oh, and I got to take someone. So I think, um, but yeah, so uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a class that is very diverse. Hey, hey bro, I have, uh, what time I have to wrap up this? I got like five minutes? Yeah, 10, 15. Ten, ten more? Okay. Yeah. So, so let me respond to some of the questions. So I just told you who you are. I, I just do sales and, and I'm one of the leaders here in the class and in the church. And it's been a blessing. Um, people ask what are the common struggles that I face in terms of legally, in, you know, issues and, and, and things of that nature. I think that works a, a little bit different with international students because obviously when we receive internationals, the object is very different. I did probably, or my audience is more literally immigration, people that come to live and try to, you know, and legally sometimes that looks different, you know, uh, it, you you struggle with a lot of the things that the country required to, to be in the country, and that makes the, the ministry very challenging. So if maybe pastor george is in the back thinking man i was thinking about starting a hispanic ministry or maybe somebody listening it is hard because you are not a the lawyer you're not a, a legal representative so you cannot just give advice when it comes down to this aspect but it's very emotional because you see families divided you see um so in other words, you you can help someone as much as a discipleship, but then you have to face the reality that there's legal things that you have to do. So all you can do is point people to Jesus. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not the, the one who can tell you what to do. But I, I know one thing. God allowed them to be here for a reason. Yeah. And I'm here. And the purpose of this class in Spanish that we have, it's it's to drive people really to to Jesus. And regardless of where they are, I cannot support. Um, how can I say this? Like, so I I cannot support the way how people come and go. I I have to stay out because I can get in trouble, you know, legally. But as a pastor, I I can support what the bible says uh you say something about people you invested and somebody have to go i got a couple of those families that you invested for years and they stand up and they're like pastor i think i have to go because i'm i came here in a in a wrong way and you have to let them go and it's yeah. beautiful because they're responding and they go and try to do the things right but some other people is not so your heart gets there because you're like man i did all this investment and praise god they're not mine you know they're they're children of God, yeah. but it's hard. It gets difficult. So to answer that that question, yeah, there's there's difficulties because there's translations, there's things that they don't understand. Myself too, like I, I came here and there's so much in the legal things that I don't get that I have to relate to my wife. And I always think, man, 
if I'm legally, I, I'm citizen now, and I did all these things, and, and it's difficult. Think about people that come here with a hope. Right now, we got the border saturated with people walking here. And it's very easy to take one side and say the Latinos are coming and like talk about illegal immigration. But man, the Lord is bringing the nations in regardless. Can I criticize that? Probably. Can I bring the scripture and try to spiritualize everything? But man, this is people walking from Central America, Mexico, sleeping. And we got a gospel that I know. Um, I can talk about immigration with the Jewish people, how God they move it around and how they disperse. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of principles in, in terms of immigration. Mm -hmm. But what we must have anywhere where you are is a heart for the nations mm -hmm. because that's the heart of God, the nations. There's no other reason why these people is walking for months to get to the border with a hope. With a hope that they don't have in their own countries. And I cannot despise the fact that God had us have us here for a reason. So that's why we're planting churches. Because yeah. eventually, this immigration will hit one of our fellowships. And we need to be equipped to just point people to Jesus. Because obviously, I don't have an answer. And it's hard. Starting a Hispanic ministry is a very lonely ministry. Mm. It's very lonely because you're dealing with separation from the previous nation that they're coming. But you also, when they come into the church, it's not like the international students. They're so easy to integrate because they, they, they got the knowledge. They can speak a little bit. They they got to study. They're, they're young. So their thought process just work way different. But man, when you're dealing with a culture, they just come to sit here and have no clue. I mean, it's, it's very difficult. We have been helping some people from Venezuela, from Colombia. They don't have any clothes coming to our church because they just got here. And you're just going through all these things that are very difficult. It gets lonely because the goal of, of, of the church is just having one heart, one mind, you know, one. But then they separate. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking or if you want to pray for Spanish ministries, it's a lonely ministry. Because people don't don't take time to just go and sit down with people that speak Spanish, and that's a probably one of the most common languages that you have out there. Mm -hmm. But it, within our own church, listen, in this conference, I have had an attendance of maybe ten Latinos. So I technically has one hundred and twenty at least at least coming, you know, every Sunday. At least they have not been represented in this conference because they don't speak English. They just don't get it. You know, there's this natural separation. We would have rocked this building just today if they were all come together. But you know what happened? One man cannot do it all. This butter gets spread so much. And I feel at times that when you start your the Hispanic ministry, it's this natural separation that we create because we have a Hispanic class. And then that's Pastor Mara's job, right? Because I'm the one that's, no. We can get engaged and stop once in a while. You internationals, you know, somewhere, stop in the class and say hi. 
because you guys came with some sort of language already with the idea to learn Spanish, uh, English. But these people, no, they just came for, for a different reason. So it's so heartbreak because within the church, this separation, you know, and, and especially you got with, with, with young kids, you know, they, they got to learn English and, and they're Hispanics. You know what they do? They separate. Is this embarrassment? My daughters, they get embarrassed when they have to speak Spanish and they do it well, but they feel like different. So they almost like that is the one to speak Spanish, you know? So it is a lonely ministry. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is very lonely. So um just another question. How how a church can support this ministry or a, or a Hispanic ministry, you know. One of the questions that Miles asked, you know, um, I will say um, relationships, <clears throat> religion. I think re religion is fine in the church and MBT. We can create a religion, a religion of LFBI discipleship. And, mm -hmm. and we got all the, you know, D1, D2, D3, D4, D6, D7. <laughs> and then we can talk about, yo, that's religion. Yeah. That is religion. When you go, when you understand the, the gospel, relationships should replace all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, yes, if we, if I want to move me, my audience to the D's, I have to start with the R's and everything is relationships. Yeah. Because that, that's where you drive people right here. Because my class is not integrated for MBT's fault or anything. No. They just people don't relation like they just see them. And unfortunately, they just don't talk to them. I mean, we're we're in a different building anyway, so it, it make it easy, you know, just to now again, I'm not putting this ball in anyone's court, but I'm saying in in general, the relationship is what drives people to discipleship and, and the D's. Mm -hmm. and, and and you know, it's everyone's fault because we came religion. Unless people understand full theology and, and the whole aspects of LBI and then because it's very easy to talk about ministry, internationals, and, and but, but it's difficult. So how can we support, be relational and not religious? It's good. We can be that 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 person. How that is the uh, class in Hispana has been a blessing for MBT. I think they're servants. They yes. they pull out of I mean they 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 serve very well. Yeah. But the problem is like the emotions in this. Don't allow them to move to decide to the discipleship part because that relationship is missing. So if that makes sense, uh they are serving, they are giving, they are tithing, they literally gave a lot, but they just don't know how to function. It, so think about it. I uh I, I was teaching about children and missions and things of that nature, and I pull out a, a Bible, you know, King James. My goodness, I'm suffering the whole time. It's so difficult. It is so difficult. You know, it is so difficult when you have to, you know, listen to, you know, about the King James, the, the authorized version, and, and you don't have all these things, that, that common language, you know, the people, it is difficult because you feel like your language just got despised. And that's the same truth for internationals. We have to be careful. We have to be sensitive. So... We we got a lot of people that want to do it, but man, it's just these walls that Christianity build.
because we want to present our American culture within the, the audience that, that we have. And it does not work that way. It's relationships. That's why I do love this ministry that God has given you, bro. It Man, internationals just take you out of the comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful because you have to sit down and cross this person. They look <laughs> so different to you. And you just don't have a clue where this is going to go. <laughs> but then you play a couple games, and then now you know that there's there's emotions that we have in common. And man, that's without I can work every day. Yeah. So um it, you know it is it is crucial for us just to be relational. Um things to consider. Um for us, you know, like, so let me, let me wrap up here. Um, there is a natural separation that you're going to have. And regardless, you will have a natural uh, a, a separation. I feel myself that I'm in a church leading another church. Mm. Like, it, it, it is hard. But this is what Pastor Mike told me, bro. If that people just show to your class, you want to preach the gospel, you want to do it right, and let's pray. Now, we make disciples, to uh, to your point. Praise God, I don't have a pastor that is dogmatic about things. He has peace. The people don't show up, but they show up on Sundays, and they're right there. And, and this is what I can do right now. Some of them are done with discipleship. Now they're showing to the building because that relationship is started. So there is... There is a natural separation that this ministry in particular will always have. So pray for us that we move them from, from religion and repetition to relationships. You know, yeah. that's important. So there is a cultural view that we always will, will have different. I mean, there, this cultural thing that is in me just separate me always because I'm, I'm, I roll different. We process different. We, our culture is way more emotional. And uh, on top of that, when you put like a hundred Latinos in a room, I mean, you've got so many different countries represented. They're so different. Yeah. But they're all kids. They're all hogs. They're all like, you know, it's just, it, it, it's difficult. And so I remember, well, let me share this story again. But I was telling them here early how with our children, we have to be intentional and, and a good and bad behavior, how we need to be intentional, you know, in terms of missions, like, you have to expose them to good, bad behavior. But then uh, when I got to Manma, uh, Illinois, when I met my beautiful bride, nobody told me the kissing in the United States was bad, you know? And, and, I, and, and so I remember trying to kiss everybody in the church. And I'm single. And I do want a wife. I was burning, bro. I was, I'm hiding. What? <laughs> I tried to kiss Naylin, you know, she was singing. I remember when I tried to go hog and, you know, I just wanted to hear. She rejected me right there. Nobody told me that, 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 you know, that was wrong. But then I'm kissing everyone else that my, the deacons or leaders and wives and I'm going on. But nobody say anything. As soon as I know, Doug Franks that is sitting in the back, he was a, a so he was part of that meeting, and I'm being confronted with leaders and the pastor that I'm kissing and being inappropriate with a lot of people. <laughs> then it feels, you know. Well, I mean, I nobody 
teach me about uh, inappropriate behavior, and that was one, you know? <laughs> so all that to say that culturally, that separation exists. Yeah. And, and we have the tendency sometimes to just uh, drive people nuts, you know, like this, this is just difficult, but we process different. And uh, I close with this, Latinos are, are to engage with each other more than with the world. They got their own tortillas. They're, they're very proud of what they do. Their own tacos, and that is why. So that that that's why it's so difficult to engage the Latinos to the church. So I beg you, I beg you, if we are less religious and more re relationships, these people they God give you. God doesn't give me, don't give the Latinos to Pastor Mara. He give it to us. Mm -hmm. If we can engage them more, it, it can be way easy. Last thing, uh, LFBI. Now we have content for at least a year and a half in Spanish mm -hmm. in LFBI that I personally have been translating with my man, Mauricio Miralles. He's a blessing. And, um, you know, what can I say? Uh, uh, just pray for that, because this is all about Jesus. It's not about the the things that I think. This is about what God is doing and is done in our lives. And and uh, just pray that we can engage more people with the gospel. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like I was saying, D1, D2, D3, D4, D40, D40 does nothing for us unless we're relational. Yeah. So we we want to be relational with well, I don't know if I, That's I mean, I'm very discouraged right now, so I hope. You said discouraged? No, I said discouraged. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you can clean it. Or, oh, man, you got that. You got that. Here, man. Goat skin. Our Bible is expensive, man. You're making money, right? <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord for your past Um Man, if there's anything that you took away from that, I pray that you heard uh, just a heart for, for relationships. Uh, and it's easy to assume that, like just cross culture to the lost, and then neglect that within the context they do not our own church. And so if you're here at MBT, uh, you heard the invitation, man, pop into Clase Spanish sometime. And just show yourselves friendly and get to know your brothers and sisters that are in your own church mm -hmm. that so often are neglected uh, and maybe even despised, right? Uh, man, we get to spend eternity with them, right? Hey, Amen. So might as well start investing in early. That is good. Yes. Um, I'm, we're way over time. <laughs> but you guys are here. Uh, and so uh, if they don't kick us out, if you guys have questions and like your bellies can hold off for, for a few minutes, uh, then I, I'm happy to do a QA and a if the, the, the contributors are happy to, to take questions. And so maybe we can have just a short season uh, of Q&A uh, since we had you here uh, and we'll keep it brief. Um, but I think it'd be maybe a blessing just for people to have an opportunity to to, to ask to, and just to, to hear from uh, some seasoned ministers. And so, Pastor Will and, and Nalene, if you're available, feel free to, to come up. Uh, Todd, Anna, uh, Jamie, George, uh, and uh, I almost called you Linda, but Jeanette. Uh, <laughs> Please do today. Was that? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
like your Pokemon. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, got it. Which one do you I missed it. I'm sorry. Good job. I'll just say with him. No, it's real. You don't need to ask me. Can I just throw something out there to the group? Please. So, y'all, just something to the God's light on my heart yesterday, and 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 I would ask y'all to prayerfully consider a people group that. So we haven't quite touched on yet. They're sort of in between two worlds, but um, and and Will could certainly speak to this a lot more than I could. But uh, we have several folks in our church. They're not students; they didn't come as students, and so they have all the the challenges and things that Will talked about as as immigrants, uh, because they're they don't really know the English language very well. They're not they're they're older, um, but but they're married to Americans. And so they're not really in their culture and their people group. And they're like isolated in this little bubble amongst others that they're not really a part of. And, and um, man, that's, that, that like has its own challenges. And, mm, yeah. and so I, I would just encourage y'all to, to prayerfully consider them and think about them because sometimes it can be easy to just, oh, they're married to an American. They're, they're here with us. So they're, and for those of us that are in FOI, we're so used to those students being engaged and integrated, and they're eager to to learn the language and learn the culture. And it's easy to sort of forget about those ones that are just there and isolated mm -hmm. and flying under the radar. So mm -hmm. I would um, I would add to that group the the children of immigrants. Mm -hmm. So children, say a person comes over at ten years old has lived, and you've experienced this, has lived 10 or 20 years in a country, comes to the U.S., and then quickly is better at English and culture than their parents because they're learning it. But at the same time, they're caught between following the traditions and culture and language of their parents at home and yet being an American at school. And it's a really tough like it's sometimes called like generation 1.5. It's these, they're not first generation, they're first generation immigrants, but they kind of live in between. Um, and that's a really tough spot. We have some of them in our church who yeah. kind of grew up, grew up maybe in Clase Hispana, but then they're like, well, maybe I should go to Kaya because I mm -hmm. identify with those students. But mm -hmm. it, so I think, I think there's a lot of nuances that we need to think about. Like even in Clase Hispana, it's like, Oh, we could say, well, they're all the same. Well, 14 different countries. Within those countries are di different, even ethnic groups within that. So just consider the variety. Well, and, and to that question, you know, um, it might be, uh, hey, Nelly, no, you need to, because the, she deal a lot with that stuff, like just being married with me. So he was asking about the audience, you know, the married international, you know, like you got married with me. What a hard thing to do. <laughs> and, uh, can you maybe give a little bit of what what do you see in and in, 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 in people? Because we got a lot of those, bro. We got a lot of those. 
the people, so let's say a Latino married with an American or, you know, so how that look like and what are the struggles or challenges that we can pray for it? Because you, you see it with me, you know, the, the communication thing is prone, but like, uh, what are the struggles of like a bicultural marriage? Like a bi, okay. Yeah. Um, and even in the context of church, with what you would act. It's sort of isolated from their culture, but they don't really fit with their spouse's culture either. They're just kind of isolated in this bubble. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I think the, the thing I would say to pray about the most in that situation is to love the other culture. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think, kind of like anything, um, women, wives, um, need to pray for the heart to follow their husbands. And so like for me, I definitely knew when I married Will that that meant my call was to follow him in his ministry, which was his heart was for Latinos here in the United States. And so that meant that I was going to be his help me in ministering to Latinos mm -hmm. here. So yeah, I follow like my Bible study is ladies that speak Spanish. Um, and so I just encourage the other ladies that are in that situation, like do what your husband is called to do. And so some of them are like me. And so they're American and they're married to Latinos and they just have to pray for that heart to follow and the heart to love Latino women, because this is where your husband had you. So follow them. So I'm speaking from a very like wife perspective, but I think good. that's the position I'm in. Um, now, if it's the opposite and just follow your husband to where your husband is called. I mean, the opposite, I still said the same thing. <laughs> um, be sure in your calling with men. <laughs> Does anybody else have any questions uh, about the internationals? About... Yes. Uh, I have a question for Will. How did you start Clase Hispana? Was there like a need that arose or did you like spearhead that or did you look for that? Like how did that happen? It it happened more when I first came as a single. Bro, I love your hair. Sorry, that's so. <laughs> sorry, I have to say it. But uh, when I, you know, when I came as a single and I knew the struggle, because Todd, Todd was my tutor and and Anna, they were training me and, and teaching me the language and all that. But I noticed the struggle the people have for communication and i was a mess i mean he can tell you stories but you do everything wrong so that just even passionate even more to just get him involved because i'm like why i want to reach out english i mean if i got i have a full english uh, uh language you know that i can reach out which is spanish but that was it was just the communication part that i'm like man these people are there but nobody's reaching out because nobody's taking time to learn. So anyhow, maybe talking out to them, but it's a, it was the communication part what really sparked my desire to, you know, be faithful with my language and just reach out to them. Yeah. And when we first started that ministry in 2005 or whatever it was, like we felt like we needed 
I don't know a nice way to say this. Like we needed a brown person to reach brown people. Amen. We need a Spanish speaker to reach Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. um, it it just takes down one of the barriers to reaching people when that person is like them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that that's true across the board. I think we've got white people in Asia reaching Asians and God can do it. I like for sure. We felt like in that context, the language again was key. So having someone that spoke that was a native speaker of Spanish to reach Spanish speaking people was key. And we just did outreach. Um, so we started with English class and started making friends and preaching the gospel. It's kind of how the real short version of how that started. So I'm just serious, right? <laughs> so the the previous comments. So just something that's been swirling in my head. I haven't traveled internationally a lot, but the the international trips that I have been on, and you can see it here in in this country when you see different cultures. Uh, one of the things that was impressed on my mind when I went to India is to see the differences mm. and culture uh, is neither good nor bad. It's culture yeah. until it deviates from we're in Christ. We're a new creature. We've been born again. We're in a new mm. we're, we're no longer black, white, Hispanic, Egyptian. We're 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 sons of God. Mm. And and the thing that that I see is when I go to a different culture is when I see people relate, whether nationals among themselves or internationals, when I see that the way that they conduct themselves is not in keeping with the culture that we would embrace as saying, uh, you know, whether it's gender or whether it's class or the different ways that we look at each other, um, I think that that should be an area of focus mm -hmm. for us to say, okay, in, in my old culture, that was appropriate, but in Christ, that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, so there needs to be a focus uh, on what culture truly is. And am I, am I leaning on my racial culture or my country of origin culture, or am I recognizing that in Christ, I'm a new creature? And the rules kind of changed. Yeah. And so now I'm going to be different. And I, I, I that was impressed upon me. And even myself, you know, in, in my marriage, in the way that I am by nature, what's natural to me and recognizing, okay, that might be natural, but I'm called to be mm -hmm. supernatural, spiritual. And not in the, you know, whatever sense, but truly walking in the spirit because this is what the word of God says. And it's okay, so I need to change that part of me. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, like in your culture, and all cultures can answer this, even like you used to do like rodeo. Well, you even you could answer this. <laughs> but, um, but what is the most like cringy, you know that word, like, um, you know what I mean? Like, from your culture about Westerners, particularly the stereotypical Westerners. 
Like what makes Kenyans just like go like oh Americans are disgusting. There's of course that weird attraction thing that I think is universal. Like we want to go there, but we hate it. And so what's the hate it part? Because I want this one to like hurt. Oh, I know I'm part of the problem in that. I want to come here so that I can be helped. So is it moral? Very immoral, very open. Just the perception is like this country is just, and I don't think they know Europeans are good because American is more appealing, but is immoral, very just whatever that's the perception mm -hmm. at least from my culture experience background from what i know is immoral they, there's no boundaries that's all free all good mm -hmm. that's why they come here it's god it, do whatever you know is that picked up in music everything yeah. everything what must from the hollywood thing i will say but it, it's like whatever I would say that the United States is the reality TV for the whole world. But everybody's watching. Yeah, it just you know, okay, they do, they Russia, they like nope, they're all plugged into the US. Wow. Even wow. just just uh to that point, even Europeans now have the same shows, you know, yes. the, the boys. I love boys just for the record. <laughs> they, they even the the same shows and 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 because America is a it's a yeah, yeah. that's a good point, Richard. Yeah, I have no intention to hurt you. And I've had to relearn this in Kenya. I'm mm -hmm. struggling with it a little bit. But we're a culture that greets people, mm. you know, mm. so you have to acknowledge people. Yeah. And what we thought was strange, like one day you can have a meal at my home, and the next time I see you, you won't even acknowledge me. And mm -hmm. I don't know that that's a cultural thing, but I think maybe it's just different cultures. So I have, I'm still struggling. I don't reach everybody when I go back home, you know, but like people, um, at least from my culture, everybody, even if they're a stranger, they want to be greeted as Man, you are so right. But I always thought it was strange that you could speak to someone one day and then the next day, like they don't even register. Yeah. So that was also always an, uh, an interesting cultural thing for me. And now I think I struggle with the same thing. <laughs> even hurting me because I'm having to relearn to like engage people in that way, just like. That still hurt me every day. And no get over that. You are so right. Yeah. And I wanna I want to say that on a similar note, something I've heard from from people of other cultures is you know, in America we like to say, Hey, how are you? But we don't actually want to know how you are. <laughs> <laughs> for the response, you just move on. And so people are like, people ask me how I am, they don't they don't care. Are they so like very similar, like we're very shallow. If yeah. we have those interactions, we tend to be very shallow in them. Yeah, that's why I like Will. He says, "What's up, bro?" Period. <laughs> 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 each other culture. Yeah, because we are big plans. Yes, okay. that, I'm on my way. Like 
I don't understand why you're hugging me. And I don't understand why you're telling me that you love me. That was very new and still very, I don't really. It's culture, I think, and MBT. Like, that was not a thing in our church. You need to get Pastor Kenny. I just want to call him. Is he going to give me? I'm telling you, he just give me, and I just want to. But to like question, I feel like something that we experience with immigrants and then working with people from our church. You know how we talked about, you know, we have a nurse or a like one thing was like you don't need to shout at them <laughs> like i felt like it seemed like if they didn't think they were understanding or or even to start off with like yeah, like we'd have to say like you don't even need to i don't, I don't know the octave level i feel like you'd be a little sensitive <laughs> like shouting is not helping <laughs> not going to know either way so stop shouting at them <laughs> Yeah, these are good things because we are going to help build. Like, I was going to say, the thing that's going on in my room is with like self entitlements, um, where we just because I'm an American, I'm better. And um, I think that is something maybe working with the international students that we've seen. Um, and, and that's one of the things that has gone so far with them is just like Pastor Will said is just being relational. Mm -hmm. Like people just want to be loved. They want relationships. And if we extend that to them That's good. and just embrace them with open arms, no matter who they are, no matter what background they come from, they, they respond to that because mm -hmm. most people are too busy to love other people. Mm -hmm. and, and when we do that, that's what they respond to. And we, we hear all the time, I don't know why you guys do this for us. And it, and it allows us to open the doors for opportunities to tell them that God loves us and we want to show you that love. And, and so I think more than anything, it's not what not to do. It's just what we should do. Mm. We just should love them. That's good. Uh, that is very good. I think even within the context of MBT and the FY ministry here, that idea of being too busy to love other people. I mean, we huh. make excuses all the time because we are busy. And we're even yeah. busy with good things, ministry. But man, we don't have time to actually love others. And especially when people from other cultures tend to take life a little bit slower yeah. and tend to be more relational. And when they show up at your house or you show up at their house, they put out the spread and you're expected to just stay the rest of the evening. But in America, it's like appointment, 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 appointment. Like I have a little bit of time for you, but then I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. And that shows like when we act that way, it might, it might show that we don't, we don't fully love them. You have to be really sensitive. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. wait, Brian. Oh, Lydia. Oh, <laughs> I have a question for Will and Eileen or anyone else who has um, something to contribute, but in terms of like um, um, Latinos who like kids who have grown up in the U.S., but they're like their parents' generation 
you know, like may have immigrated illegally, but then, you know, the kids were born here and grew up here. And so then there is kind of that disconnect that I can't remember who was talking about this earlier, but in terms of like, they've grown up in American culture, but then their parents are and their, you know, aunts and uncles are still like kind of disconnected. And then there's also immigration issues where like family members have gone back and forth um, back home and come back. And like that, all of that is really like complicated and hard. Do you guys like have very many people in that younger generation in Clase Espada? And what are some like, I guess, words of encouragement? How do you minister to them in that place? So right now we actually did kind of observe a need for that. And um, thankfully, Kathy um, had a heart for those kids. So they're mostly like middle schoolers that we have right now, but we found that they were coming to our class because they were missing junior high service. And Kathy was like, I want to be able to like integrate them into the junior high class. And so she actually right now is just like meeting separately with them. And interestingly enough, she does just do it all in English and she goes through like the mentorship material. Um, so it was kind of like a, we see a need. How are we gonna, like, how can we just logistically meet it? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it doesn't follow every structure that we have already in place at Midtown because you might think, well, why don't they just go to the junior high class? They speak English. Mm -hmm. Well, they weren't here at the time, but their parents only wanted to come at the Spanish speaking hour. So it was just kind of like, hey, there's a need. Let's meet it in an unconventional, out of the box way. Um, and yep. I jumped ahead. No, 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 no. That, that, that's good. That three got saved up in Sam's office because they're yeah. meeting in Sam's office mm -hmm. every Sunday. There's like seven, eight students. Three got saved. And I close with this. There's a little bit of uh, shame because I, I'm telling you, these families just build a wall in a in um I don't know. They just separate these kids just for no reason. And and they suffer because I, I believe they don't want to be in that situation where but because the parents are not engaged, you know, then kids will take the hit. And it's it's very hard because there's always they flock together. They just and it's hard to reach out to those students that you're talking yeah. about. Kids, they're just missed the, the, and they grow weird. I mean, there's just no, yeah. I and I think churches need, churches can never put themselves in a position between parents and kids. Mm -hmm. Churches should not, churches need to work to encourage those mm -hmm. relationships in the yeah. home rather than, so creating a spaces where the families can be together if possible. And encouraging that, um, I mean, we experienced this with with African immigrants, and we we had to separate the French speaking immigrants during the church service and did some translation in the French, but their kids were speaking English and French, and sometimes they came with us, and sometimes they stayed in the American English service, and we just had to be okay with it, um, because there's already enough separation. There's already enough separation happening. So I think as much as the church can encourage healthy families, the other thing that happens, I've seen this in Latino culture a lot, is there's this disdain for the Spanish language in the home, because for so parents won't speak Spanish to their kids, and so this generation grows up, and they're like already going to be very Americanized and separated from their parents, and now they also don't speak the language, because the parents think. 
well, English is lack of English is what's holding me back. So I'm not going to teach my kids Spanish. But so like teaching the benefits of being bilingual and just the church coming to like help encourage that, I think is really important as much as we can. Well, guys, thank you for saying again, we're like way over time. Uh, but the fact that you guys are engaged and wanting to uh, just continue to learn and pick their brains, that's encouraging to me. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.